Amen. Well, we are cruising through the year of 2024 as we are now in the month of February. Of the 12 months of the year, February might be my least favorite month of the year as holiday season is over at this time of the year. I'm just about ready for winter to be over with. Uh, more so uh, when I lived in Grand Rapids, uh, my, hometown, my hometown, throughout the, the months of winter, you barely ever see the sun. As in Grand Rapids, we are right next to Lake Michigan, and so you get all sorts of lake effect snow, and it is constantly cloudy through the winter months, and uh, there is uh, just a general depressing feeling uh, during the months of January and February. Uh, and that's a very... Uh, a very real issue that people go through seasonal depression uh, throughout uh, the winter months as the sun provides very important uh, vitamins to us um, and it can lift our uh, spirits. Um, so uh, well, an another reason there why well, maybe not my uh, favorite uh, month of the year. But we don't run into that uh, nearly as much here in Springfield. However, I hesitate. I, I'm fortunate to uh, bring this to your guys' attention. Another depressing fact of life come the month of February is that according to Times Magazine, about 80% of people, so that'd be about four-fifths of people, fail to keep their New Year's resolutions by February. That is comically sad. 80% of people who set goals for themselves for the year fail to keep that goal just one month into the year. And this is something that I want us to be aware of as a church, especially today, as today we are going to be talking about setting some goals. And I do not want to mirror the response of 80% of people uh, who set these New Year's resolutions and then a month month later, uh, they aren't able to fulfill these uh, goals that they have established for themselves. So we want to stay away from that here at North Hill. We, want, we don't want to fit in with that 80% of people there. We're talking about goals today as we are continuing our series, Five Down, Five to Go. Throughout this series, we've been reviewing what our past five years together have looked like. And uh, starting today, we're, we're going to begin dreaming ahead to what these next five years in ministry may look like. So the first two weeks uh, of the series, we simply reviewed what we have talked about for the past five years during our worship services. Last week, we reviewed not just what we've been talking about, but last week we reviewed what we've actually accomplished, what we have done, us walking the walk. And it was a very similar practice to the Israelites looking back on what they have gone through over the years. There, there's uh, a number of spots throughout the scriptures where uh, the different prophets or writers in the New Testament or someone speaking will rehash, will review what the Israelites have gone through throughout this history and, and working with God. And a number of us have been here for all five years, uh, and so that was a review. And then a number of us came sometime during these past five years. And getting, uh, raise your hand if you started to come after uh, I got here, so, so five years ago. 
a handful of us scattered throughout there. Um, I, I guess about a third of us here uh, this morning. Uh, and so that's, that's encouraging uh, to me, uh, a sign of that momentum that we are building. And so whether you're here for all five years review, whether you're here uh, for four years, three years, two years, one years, uh, less than a full year, maybe uh, you were able to learn some new, th- new things along the way as well. But hopefully throughout these past three weeks, we all have a general idea of what led us to where we are currently here at North Hills. And so now that we have a basic understanding of what led us here these past five years, we can begin to shift our focus to what these next five years may look like in serving in ministry together. So today we're going to be uh, talking about some goals for us in these next five years of ministry. And then next week we're, we're going to end this series by talking about how you can help these next five years be the best five years possible. So since I got here five years ago, I've been very intent on establishing the why behind what we do. It it is so important. I cannot overstate the importance of understanding the purpose of what we do as a church. That's something I've tried to nail home by repeating our vision statement time and time again, growing closer to God and expanding his kingdom. That's why we exist as a church. Every uh, little bit, every little detail of our church should help us fulfill that vision of growing Going closer to God and expanding his kingdom. And now when it comes to goals, we also have to answer the question of why. Why set goals in the first place? What are the benefits and the value of setting goals? Over the past 50 or so years, there has been a lot of research uh, done on the benefits and value of setting goals. And I really enjoy true research and true science because true research and true science, they simply illuminate truths about God's creation. We learn more about uh, how God uh, formed uh, the heavens and the earth. We, We learn more and more details about this very, very intricate and complex world that God has designed and created. And, and so it's, it's an enjoyment for me to be able to look into these different uh, research studies or science because we're simply learning more about who our creator God is and this beautiful creation that he has established. So if you Google benefits of setting goals, there are so many relevant articles. I mean, if you Google anything, there's going to be a a ton of articles, but more often than not, most of them aren't really relevant. But if you Google uh, the benefits of setting goals, there are, there's a vast number of articles that are very relevant to the information of uh, the value of setting goals. And so I spent some time looking uh, the past couple weeks at different people's conclusions on the benefits and value value of setting goals. And so we're going to go through uh, just uh, for a bit here, we're going to go through 10 different benefits that I found online. Uh, it'll be difficult going through different sources. The different sources that I got uh, were via Get Healthy, Positive Psychology, uh, Goucher College, Lucemi Consulting, Forbes, and the Peak Performance Center. And so through these uh, six different sources I found, well, I put together a conglomeration of 10 benefits that we can have in setting goals. And so if you have uh, that list there, uh, the the first benefit that that we can have in setting goals is that setting goals uh, helps us to focus on the objectives at hand. 
Focus is extremely important in any task. Uh, when, when I was uh, younger, when I was a kid growing up, I was extremely energetic. I was just like a little ball of energy. Reminds me a lot of my son, Ezra, uh, who would have thought. Uh, just constantly uh, buzzing around. It's very, very difficult for me to sit down and to just focus on one simple task. And so my dad, he didn't really have to tell this to any of my siblings, but he told me time and time again, Kyle, Focus and concentration. Focus and concentration. And through the years, I, I saw the value, the benefits, the importance of focus and concentration. I can very clearly hear my dad telling that to me today, Kyle, focus and concentration. And setting goals as a church, that can help us, church, focus and concentration. It can help us focus and concentrate on, on the things that are important, the things that need to be taken care of. Setting goals uh, can help mobilize energy, which leads to greater effort. Energy is not a, a bad thing. Sometimes all we need is a jolt of energy. I long for the energy I had growing up. I long for the energy uh, my kids now display. And goals help energize us and give us excitement over the possibilities of what is to come. And as we track these goals, they give us excitement and energy of where we have come from and the progress that we have made. Setting goals forces you to set priorities. With a limited set of resources and capabilities, there's only so much that we can do as a church. There are an innumerable number of good opportunities out there. And we, the, the harsh truth is that we are going to have to say no to the vast majority of good opportunities out there as there is simply only so much that we can do, the, the collection of the body of believers sitting here this morning and those who aren't with us this morning. There's only so much that we can do with all of the good opportunities out there. And so we need to set our priorities. And setting our priorities, we're gonna say no to the vast majority of good opportunities out there. And in saying no to the vast majority of good opportunities out there, we're saying yes to the best opportunities for us as a local church. And those, those best opportunities opportunities are going to be different for every single local church. I, I think that's why we, we have a number of different local churches, because different local churches are presented different opportunities. And so we need to learn to set our, priori uh, set our priorities and focus on the best opportunities for us as a church. Setting goals helps us define reality and separates it from wishful thinking or doom and gloom. It's important for us as a body of believers to understand what our current reality is. Uh, I find that oftentimes when we are going through a rough stretch, when you're just going in your own personal life and you're going through a speed bump, that speed bump, when you're going through it, it doesn't feel like a speed bump. It feels like Mount Everest when you are going through it. And so when you have your eyes on the bigger picture of things and you're setting these goals, they help set your perspective that, hey, the speed bump is at Mount Everest. And at the same time, maybe this bit of momentum that we have going forward we, we need to understand the work that needs to be put forward to, to uh, continue along and sustain that positive momentum. And so defining our goals and setting these goals that helps us understand our current reality of where we are. Setting goals help us develop strategies that will enable us to perform at the required level. Strategy is important. God gave us brilliant complex minds that we uh, scientists are, are discovering new things daily about the, the complexities of our minds. And with the, the brilliance of our mind, 
we need to use it. It is a gift from God. And so we need to use our minds and develop strategies that help us to uh, fulfill these goals, which these goals will, will, as we'll see in a minute here, these goals will help us to fulfill our vision, growing closer to God and expanding his kingdom. And so setting these goals helps us to, to understand the importance uh, of developing these strategies that will enable us to reform at the required level needed to uh, meet these goals. Uh, setting goals will help us to sharpen decision-making. If we have our goals of where we want to be, that will help us make decisions to get us there. If you are going on a road trip, it helps a lot if you know where the end destination is. If you know where the end destination is, you know whether to stay on that road or you know whether or not to turn left or right. If you don't know where the end destination is, then it's going to be a lot harder making decisions as you're going through the journey, going through the process. And so in setting goals, it helps sharpen our decision making. As again, we can only do so much. And so we have to say yes to a limited number of things and no uh, to a lot of things. Um, and, and that will help us sharpen those decisions that we have to make as a church. Setting goals will help us make, make us more aware of our strengths and weaknesses. Uh, awareness is very important. That's the first step of building on our strengths and, and improving on our weaknesses. Setting goals helps provide inspiration and motivation to continue pushing forward. Inspir we have to be careful with inspiration and motivation because they, these are very fleeting feelings. So we should not at all rely on inspiration and motivation. I am a huge sucker for a good inspirational or motivational uh, video or movie. War movies uh, based on historical events that are inspiring and motivational, they are probably my favorite movies to watch. After watching many of these movies, do you guys know what I want to do? I want to go enlist in the military because I'm inspired and I am motivated uh, to go help the cause. You know what fades after a couple of hours? That desire to go enlist in the military. That, that's the concept of inspiration and motivation. They can be really strong, but they can quickly fade and they can quickly settle. So we should, we should never rely solely on inspiration and motivation, but... They can provide positive pulses of energy and positive pulses of productivity throughout our long journey of serving together and ministry. So we don't rely on inspiration, motivation, but they provide little boosts when a little boost is needed. Uh, setting goals helps us to visualize. This is a concept that many gurus today are expressing the importance of visualizing where you want to be. Uh, it's kind of uh, gained a bit of popularity uh, in the sports world. If you follow football, some of the quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers, J.J. McCarthy, these guys uh, who, who taught from their, their counselors, their advisors, you need to visualize where you want to be. Lots of people in their interviews, they're, they're talking about, I just visualized that I was going to be here, and they fulfilled that visualization. And, and it's not just in the sports industry, all over the place, people are uh, recommending uh, the, the importance of visualizing. We need to visualize where we want to be. That, that helps us get to that final step of where we want to be. And setting goals helps us to visualize. Setting goals then also, last one here, uh, setting goals helps us to sustain momentum. 
momentum, that, that is a force that we've been talking a lot about for these past few months. It is an extremely powerful force. It is a force that we have been praying for uh, the past couple of months here at North Hills. And when we make progress in a goal, that helps us sustain the momentum that we already have. And so setting goals can help us sustain that momentum that I think we have a grasp of right now. And we are praying that we will continue and build on this momentum that we have been experiencing as a church. So these are just 10 uh, of the many, many, many benefits that people have found in setting goals. Uh, but we, we shouldn't just stop at, at the research and science uh, either. When we look at goal setting in the scriptures, we see that a number of our heroes of our faith set out to accomplish a very particular task. And so although when we're reading through these stories in our scriptures, they may, may not use the exact verbiage of goal setting, Many of them are doing that exact thing. They, they have a particular goal or purpose in mind, and uh, they are pursuing that objective. When I think about some of our, our heroes of our faith who set out for a goal and went out to accomplish that, the first one uh, that came to my mind was Nehemiah. Uh, if you know uh, the story of Nehemiah, uh, I encourage anybody uh, to read through uh, the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah lived in the Chaldean Empire after uh, Nebuchadnezzar and the Chaldean Empire, the city of Babylon, conquered the city of Jerusalem and uh, the nation of Judah. And so the Israelites were forced to live as exiles. And that's the time period that Nebuchadnezzar lived in. Well, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, living over east, he heard reports uh, of the state uh, of how, I uh, failed to uh, include that, uh, the Persian Empire came and freed the people. So the Jews were able to return to Jerusalem. And so Nebuchadnezzar, he heard reports of how the people were doing back in Jerusalem. And Nebuchadnezzar heard that the walls had not yet been rebuilt. And the walls are extremely important in ancient civilization to, to protect against uh, potential threats, potential attacks. And so Nehemiah, he set out this goal that he wanted to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the city walls. And so that was his goal. That was objective. And he went over uh, back to to Jerusalem, to where his roots were, to, uh, of his family's roots, to accomplish this specific goal. I think of Jacob. Uh, Jacob, the son of Isaac, left his home and went out east. He found a beautiful girl over there uh, by the name of Rachel that uh, he wanted to marry. And so Jacob made an arrangement uh, with uh, Rachel's father, Laban, and Jacob said, Laban, if I work for you seven years, will you give me your daughter in marriage? And so uh, Laban says, yes, they come to this agreement. Long story short, Laban tricks Jacob, and Jacob has to work uh, an additional seven years. And so Jacob had this goal, had this objective of marrying Rachel. And to do this, Jacob ended up having to work 14 years for Laban. I think of Ruth. Ruth was a widow who was from Moab and married an Israelite. She was encouraged uh, to return to her own people as her husband died, and she was from Moab, and her husband was an Israelite. But she set out to stay with Naomi, uh, who was her mother-in-law, and the rest of the Israelites. And so Ruth defied the expectations that were placed on her by returning to her people. And, and she did this. Uh, she, uh, by accomplishing this, she got married again and became the great, 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 and so forth, grandmother of Christ Jesus, because she set out this goal to stay with her mother-in-law, Naomi. And lo and behold, we have the great, 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 great grandmother of Ruth. 
Moses. Uh, God gave Moses the instruction to free the Israelites from Pharaoh and the Egyptians and bring them to the promised land. After that point in time, pretty much Moses' entire life was focused on this goal of freeing the Israelites and bringing them to the promised land. I think of Jesus. Jesus was ministering in Capernaum, and the people wanted him to stay out a, a while longer. I don't blame them. I'd love to hang around uh, Jesus for a while longer as well. However, Jesus told them in Luke 4:43, quote, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well for I was sent for this purpose. And so Jesus made it his goal, his purpose, to preach the message of the kingdom, that, that is the gospel message, to the other towns as well. And the list goes on and on of uh, these different heroes of our faith who had a goal in mind, and they went out and they achieved this goal that they had in place. David and Solomon uh, recognize the importance of establishing a goal or plan moving forward as well. Uh, quoting from a psalm of David, Psalm 20, verse 4, this is David writing in, in the midst of his psalm. And, and David writes, may he, that, that is God, give you the desires of your heart and make all your plans succeed. On a very similar note, uh, Solomon says in Proverbs 16, 3, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. And then in chapter 21, verse 5 of Proverbs, Solomon writes, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. And so this concept of setting goals, very much uh, a principle that, that we see in the life of the heroes of our faith. We see that's a principle that uh, David and Solomon, they support uh, in uh, the book of Psalms and the book of Proverbs as well. And so what we've done here, is that we have painted a picture that illustrates the importance of setting goals. Modern research and science point to the many benefits of setting goals. And then we see that many of our heroes of our faith went out to set goals as well, whether it be Nehemiah, Jacob, Ruth, Moses, and Jesus. They were all able to accomplish their goals that they set out to accomplish. And so for we as a church, we as North Hills, we, we come up with five goals that we can strive for together as a church. These five goals, uh, won't really explain the, the process, but these five goals are SMART goals. A SMART goal is a goal that is specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and timely. And each of these goals that, that we have established for us as a church, these are goals that will help us fulfill our vision of growing closer to God and expanding his kingdom. Because, because again, everything that we do as a church has to point back to that. If it does not point back to growing closer to God and expanding his kingdom, then it's something that we should not get our hands involved in. And so each of these five different goals will help us to fulfill our vision of growing closer to God and expanding his kingdom. So I know some of you guys are getting antsy to see the goals. Five goals for the next five years in ministry together as a church. I'll just uh, read through these goals real quick, and then we'll uh, dissect each of these a bit more. The first goal is that in five years, we love to see an average attendance of 85 on Sunday mornings. Goal number two, we'd love to have an average Sunday school attendance of 50. Three, we'd love to plug five people into ministry roles. Four, we'd love to have two separate Acts Church groups meet. And five, we'd love to have 15 baptisms. 
So let's break each of these down a bit. So the first goal, average attendance of 85 on Sunday mornings. I think we have to be careful with this goal because many people, not necessarily many people, but many churches will go out and their only objective is getting behinds sitting on as many chairs as possible. And that cannot be our only goal as a church. But yet, I think that goal serves value in fulfilling our, our vision of expanding God's kingdom uh, and growing closer to God and expanding his kingdom. As when we sit here week in and week out on a Sunday morning, we have a unique opportunity to praise and worship the name of God together as a family of believers. And we have the opportunity to uh, discover God's truths for our lives as well as a, a member of God's family. And so although this isn't the only purpose of a church and this shouldn't be our only goal of church, I still think it's an important goal to establish as a church that we would love for more people to come in and experience the worship service, experience being a part of a family who is able to sing together and praise and worship the name of God, and to experience sitting in week in and week out and discovering the truths uh, of God for, for our lives. And so we want as many people as possible getting in on this action. So when we look at these uh, past five years that we spent together uh, and looking at the average attendance in 2019, we averaged 78. In uh, 2020, I split that up into uh, two sections. 2020, before COVID, we averaged 75 on a Sunday morning. 2020, post-COVID, just like uh, in conjunction with, with the national average, unfortunately, we saw attendance uh, decrease to 51 on an average Sunday. As many people, they simply grew out of the habit of meeting together. I believe it's in uh, Hebrews 10 where the writer of Hebrews warns us of not growing out of the habit of meeting together. And we saw that take place with the pandemic, COVID-19. People grew out of the habit and people simply uh, didn't seek to take part back into uh, the church family. And so our attendance uh, dropped down to 51. In 2021, we saw it uh, go up to 59. In 2022, it was actually 59 again. And then 2023, it went up to 63. And so church attendance has been declining in America for over 50 years. And so we, in setting a goal to increase our average attendance to 85, we are seeking to go against the grain of our nation. I'm encouraged, though, with progress that we have made over the past few years, and especially in 2023 and especially the latter part of 2023, I think we were really building momentum. I think we are building momentum. Uh, this past year, we, we averaged 63, which was four more than the year previous. If we maintain that same momentum for the next five years, that would take us to 83 people come five years from now, on average, be sitting here together in church being able to worship and praise the name of God and discover God's truths in our lives. And so is it going to be hard to get to 85 come five uh, years from now? Yes, yes, it will be. It'll be very difficult going against the grain of our nation. Is it attainable? Absolutely, yes. And I think next week we'll talk about steps and how you can help accomplish this goal of increasing our average attendance to 85. Hard, yes, attainable, 100%. 
Second goal is uh, to increase the average Sunday school attendance uh, to 50. Sunday school is extremely important because it is a time to dig into God's word. During our messages on Sunday morning, what we're doing right now, we are really only able to scratch the surface. Barely. There, there is so much information to decipher, and, and only having the opportunity to talk for about a half hour once a week, we are only going to be able to get so deep into the message. Sunday school is a wonderful opportunity for us to dig deeper into God's word. It provides the opportunity to answer and to ask questions, provide feedback. It's the opportunity where iron sharpens iron. And so I'm a huge believer in our Sunday school ministry, and I would love to see that. Uh, right now, we're currently averaging uh, between 30 to 35 in our Sunday school ministry. I'd love to see that go up to 50 and more people experience the blessing of being able to study God's word. Not, not just hear it uh, preach, not just hear it proclaim, but to study God's word week in and week out. And so I'd love to see that uh, in the next five years to average uh, an attendance of 50 for our Sunday school ministry. Next, uh, I'd love, to, in the next five years, I'd love to plug five people into ministry. Those who serve the church in a ministry role, they are the engine that keeps this thing going. And so we are seeking to, to plug five people who are passionate. And when I say passionate, I mean passionate about God, passionate about Christ Jesus, passionate about the kingdom of God, and passionate about the ministry that we are doing here at North Hills. We want five passionate people seeking to serve the role, and I'd love to be able to plug five people into ministry within these next five years. Goal number four, it'd be awesome to have two separate Acts Church uh, groups meet uh, come Wednesday evening or whatever uh, we're calling our midweek activity, uh, whether it's still Acts Church or not. I think Acts Church is a wonderful opportunity to mirror the early church in Acts. And when we look at the early church in Acts, they flourished. They had this new message uh, of Christ Jesus being born on earth and Jesus in his earthly ministry and then being crucified and resurrected and ascended to heaven. They were excited and passionate about this ministry. And so day in and day out, they would meet in each other's homes and this ministry flourished. This ministry grew exponentially. And I love to just get a glimpse of that flourishment that they experienced in the first century in the church as they met day by day in the temple, day by day in each other's home because they were passionate about the gospel-saving message. And I would love for our Axe Home ministry, Axe Church ministry to grow so much that we can't possibly just meet in one person's home and that we, that we outgrow the capabilities of meeting in one person's home and to the point where we'd have to have two separate Axe Church groups meet, two separate ministries meeting throughout the week seeking to mirror the acts of the early church that flourished so much. And then finally, our fifth goal in these next five years it would be amazing to have 15 baptisms here at North Hills. A baptism is a public declaration of an inward commitment that someone makes, of an inward commitment that they have of God and his son, Christ Jesus, that they have a living faith in God and his son, Christ Jesus. Over the past five years, we've been extremely blessed by having 10 baptisms here at North Hills. And in these next five years, 
I'd love to up the ante even more. I'd love to have 15 baptisms here at North Hills in these next five years. 15 people publicly confessing their faith in God and his son, Christ Jesus. The faith that saves us, the faith in God and Christ Jesus, where we accept that saving gift of grace, that faith that that is our ticket into God's coming kingdom. I want to see 15 people publicly proclaim their faith in God and Christ Jesus. And so this is what we are striving for together in these next five years in ministry together. These five goals here, they can help us keep us focused on the good work that we have tasked before us. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. These goals, uh, whether or not we accomplish these five goals, they rest on your shoulders. They rest on all of our shoulders. It's not something that one person can accomplish. This is something that a body of believers through the work of God can accomplish together for God's glory and for his honor. And so these goals, I think, are extremely important to to strive for and strive to attain as a church as each of these goals help us fulfill our vision of growing closer to God and expanding his kingdom. And these goals are important. Why our vision as a church is important because of what we honor and what we remember with, commun- with the communion emblems. That we have a Lord, we have a Savior, we have a Messiah, a Christ, a King who died on the cross for us. And it didn't end with that death. That King is coming back to this earth. He's coming back to this earth to establish God's kingdom where everything wrong with this world is going to be made right. As God has handed all authority in heaven and on earth to the king who died for our sins. And that king is going to defeat every last enemy, the last enemy being death itself. And then King Jesus is going to hand the kingdom over to his father, Yahweh, the ultimate king of the world. And that is only made possible because of what we remember in communion. Because the wages of sin is death. And we learn that all of mankind partaken in sin. So we all deserve death, but the good news for us is that the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So I want to read for you uh, real quick here uh, from the book of 1 Corinthians. As Paul, he is uh, recounting the events of the Lord's Supper Right before Jesus was crucified, right before he paid for the sins of the world, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this 
in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then as so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. So Paul, as he's recounting on the events of Christ's death, of his crucifixion, the night before Christ was arrested, and that same night, Jesus, he had the Lord's Supper, that last supper with his disciples, and there was the bread and the cup sitting before them. And before the bread, he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. That body that Jesus was talking about, following day, less than 24 hours later, is crucified for the sins of the world. That is the body that we remember as we partake in communion together. And so I just want to provide a minute for you all to pray to our Heavenly Father, to evaluate yourselves, to examine yourself, and then together as a church family, partake of the bread. So take this opportunity to seek your Heavenly Father in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this bread that represents the body of your son being crucified for each and every one of us here. So God, we give you praise. We give you thanks. It's in the precious name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Let's partake of the bread. We take this cup, which is a symbol of the new covenant, this new agreement that we have with God, an agreement where we express our faith in him and his son, who partake, will be partakers in his coming kingdom. Let's pray over this cup, this new covenant that we have with God. God, we thank you. God, we give you praise. We worship your hallowed name, your holy name, Father. God, we thank you for this cup. 
We thank you for the blood of your precious son, Jesus, that was spilt on behalf of all of us so that we could establish a new covenant, a new agreement with you. So God, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for this agreement that we have established through this cup, through the blood of your son. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Let's partake of the cup. Father, it's my hope and it's my prayer that as we continue in ministry in these next five years, that we never, ever lose sight of the steep, steep price that was paid on the cross so that we as a church can have a purpose in growing closer to you and expanding your kingdom. So God, we love you. We thank you. And all of God's church said, amen.